0: Who knows what Jay-Z, J.K. Rowling, Bill Gates and Oprah Winfrey all have in common? Okay, I will tell you then. They have all overcome failure in one shape or form to go on to gain success in their respective careers. Welcome to My Perfect Failure. Join us as we delve into the world of our perfect failures. We will interview, explore and discuss how our perfect
1: failures can lead us to success. Join us and tune in. Welcome everybody to another episode of My Perfect Failure. Today, we have another wonderful guest for you. So my guest today is the founder of Abunday, an online language coaching business where she helps busy people find the time, methods, and motivation to learn or improve their language skills. Her top five values are family, health, learning, connection, and freedom, which I love. love I've got a steal them because uh, they seem like pretty, pretty wonderful values to me.
0: Oh, thank you.
1: you, you're, You're very, you're very welcome. Her dream is to instill a sense that everyone has the ability to use curiosity, creativity and abundance mindset to, to achieve their learning goals. I love this as well. As a language and learning coach, she helps her clients to find their inner creativity, and problem-solving skills to face their communication challenges through bespoke one-to-one coaching, online group programs, and as a host on the Abundate podcast, which is wonderful, I've listened to this today. She draws inspiration from a broad background across design, startups, marketing, innovation, a bachelor's degree in psychology and linguistics and her neuro language coaching certification. So a very, very warm welcome to my perfect failure, Hedvig Sandbu. How are you?
0: Thanks, Paul. Um, yeah, that was um a uh, lovely, I mean I wrote the bio myself, but a nice introduction. Um cool. excited to be here.
1: Well thank you for making the intro easier for me, for writing a lovely bio. And you've given me some things to steal, like right, your values. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know you can't just steal values you have to live by them
1: or <laughs> well, you can m- maybe check up for me in a week time but i think i can yeah. you know what i think i should family i think i live by yeah learning 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 i think a bit because podcasting i'm always learning sure yeah I'm, I'm always keen to learn podcasting has really whetted my appetite to learn more by by connecting to amazing people like you
0: what what does connection mean um oh good question to me i think something that and again i think you know i said you can't steal values because <laughs> i think it is something you live by right it's mm. to me i've always had a really strong sense of um needing to um connect with people in a genuine and just very honest way mm. and so i think it's about I've never been somebody who has like loads of friends, but the ones mm. I do have, and the mm. people I've talked to, and even yeah, people like you that we're just you know we're having our second conversation mm. um, together today. Um, but yeah, just kind of I think I don't know—is it about no, connecting no. brains? Or no,
1: I, I I think I get where you're going with that. It's a, it's like having because you can connect with people, but you but you're not connecting with people if it's not yeah. genuine if it's not heartfelt. It, yeah
0: if, like too much small talk uh, kills yeah, me you know
1: yeah yeah and if it if, if it's like if it's for the wrong reasons and it's not heartfelt then it's not really that you know that genuine heartfelt yes I'm enjoying this yes I want more of this connection yeah. it's like and, it, you
0: don't get the same reward like the feeling yeah, of like
1: yeah yeah, yeah absolutely it's, it's kind of like that you know knowing when you have those wonderful connections so yeah, yeah. So, so I think I can rob that. And <laughs> freedom seems pretty cool to me. So uh, yeah, so okay. Yeah. So Hedvig, lovely to meet you for a second conversation. I loved, you know what? I loved our conversation, and I was all also really fascinated by what you do. And everybody listening will get a, you know, will we'll probably have a steer that you help people with language, help them, you know, I guess you'll expand on that in a second. But before before we, we, we get into that, I was keen to to understand how you came to actually, you know, having this uh, love of, I guess it's a love of language, but having this relationship with language.
0: Oh, that's such a big question. Um, How I came to have such a love of language. um, I think it's um, partly it's something that it's hard to, it's hard to understand where it came from exactly, but Mm. I know for sure it also was encouraged by my upbringing and by my parents who, um, you know, when I was, apparently I was very young Uh, to start speaking and start like Mm. saying words and sentences and stuff like that. Um, And then later um, my family, actually um, my parents decided to kind of temporarily for like two months, move our family and another family that um, was a family friend, uh, friends of ours to France Mm. Uh, for a couple of months um, when I was about eight or nine I think and so we spent these two months in France and this was um, I grew up in Norway so this is me living in Norway and then we spent uh, a couple of months in France and um, we we didn't go to school in France or anything like that but we were kind of like this this strange Norwegian family um, spending time in france and just going to like the local markets and um you know talking to the locals and Mm. i remember spending time with this french um girl who's kind of a neighbor of ours and we didn't understand each other but we learned a couple of words from each other i think um and uh i actually uh, and this is a very norwegian thing that most people don't know about Norwegian culture is that we love to do speeches when like we have a dinner party or something. Really? There's always somebody doing a speech for some like it's a very formal and weird thing. But so I held my first ever speech in French during that time.
1: <laughs> Just to make it easy.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um it was really short and I still I memorized it, right? So it's still extremely clear in my mind. Can like, you
1: remember it now the whole fri- phrase the put, whole put, speech put you on the spot how long would it take
0: no i can do it i can okay, do it, it.
1: Yeah, okay, can okay. I text you?
0: um okay i i said aujourd'hui nous avons le plaisir de souhaiter bienvenue à grim who is um a um grim is uh my godfather actually okay. and the speech i don't know if you do you speak french
1: no sad, sadly i speak no languages no part languages apart from english i guess i, I, okay, I, you I, do- I, I hope you <laughs> understand me <laughs>
0: Um, I always um, check people who say they don't speak any languages because then I'm saying, well, what did you just speak to me in? Yeah. yeah. Um, But yeah, okay. So um, what I said in in French was just, uh, I said, today we have the pleasure of welcoming Grim. And then I think I said santé, which means cheers.
1: Okay. And how old were you again?
0: I, I think I was nine. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's, so I'm, I was
1: hugely jealous.
0: and, you know, I have two brothers and, you know, they had I mean, I know we didn't have the same experience growing up because we're three different people. But, mm. um, you know, they had the same environment. And I was the one who just I don't know. I think I was just naturally more interested in languages. Yeah. So um, my mom really kind of let me embrace that and you know, she helped me to write the speech and I'm sure she wrote the whole speech probably for me. Um, uh, but she helped me practice. Um, so yeah, I think from a very young age, you know, both having this open-mindedness about, um, yeah, I mean, even just spending two months as a family in France, um, was a way I think for all of us to see that, you know, things don't have to be monolingual, things don't have to be um one way so that was probably where it started for me yeah it it,
1: I'm just reminding one occasion where I felt incredibly helpless because where I was at this particular time nobody spoke any English Mm -hmm. and the people so so basically Mm -hmm. I was in Italy I went to Italy with a bunch of friends for New Year's and we decided to go to to Venice
2: Mm.
1: and we were staying a fraction outside Venice and at, later on in the evening we decided to go to a local pub which is just out of Venice and just have dinner and a few drinks and when we got into to the pub we realized quick very quickly that none of the staff in this particular pub spoke any english and we spoke no italian and it was really weird because i whenever i've been i guess around the world
2: mm.
1: not that i've been to everywhere but the places that i've been to even when english isn't the the national language there's always been like a nice proportion of people that speak english so it quite easy to navigate around the system but this was the first time that potentially the people that I was with as well I don't know that because you know everyone will have their own story but mm. we all it, it was kind of like we communicated just by pointing and there was humor <laughs> because I think we found it quite humorous that um you know the Italians didn't and we did that we couldn't that we didn't speak each other's language and we were just having to gesture and it was you know and we had a randomly we had a lovely evening but it did really make me aware of how limiting and how how limiting you can feel you know being helpless at times if you don't if you can't communicate in a different language if you are if you do find yourself in that environment
0: yeah and it's funny you mentioned humor because I think you know speaking of resilience um you know kind of our topic uh, today right it's um i think actually one of the especially when it comes to language learning but also when it comes to any form of communication Mm. we all have communication blunders we all Mm. embarrass ourselves sometimes um say something stupid or do something stupid and uh, or do something embarrassing and um a great antidote to any embarrassing situation is using humor Mm, and i i think right you know it's about being able to almost like um like yeah diffuse the situation Mm. by being able to laugh at yourself Mm. um being able to laugh at the whole situation together almost like that sounds like what you guys were doing with with these italians you didn't understand each other but you could laugh about Mm. how you know you were just you know using body language and pointing and and you made it work.
1: Yeah, yeah, we can Yeah, we did, and we had a a lovely evening. And they were, you know, really lovely people, and, and it was kind of didn't imp- it didn't impinge our evening too much. But it was just the, the fact that we realised that you know the inability to speak a language you can you can feel vulnerable, but you still but it still just didn't taint our evening too much. Just, um, um,
0: sorry, I. Was- I was just reminded, uh, it's it's sort of a very timely, um, I, I just added a book to my reading list today, and it's a book, I forget the title of the book, but it's by a psych- psychologist and linguist called Frank Smith. And there's a quote from the book that made me interested in, in reading his book, but he said something like, um, speaking one languages puts you in a corridor for life, and speaking mm. two gives you options. He said something like that.
1: Yeah. I love that.
0: Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, you know, it's probably a little bit reductive to say, oh, you're just in one corridor if you speak one language, but you definitely get a lot more options and you're much less limited when you speak more than one, even just speaking Mm. a few phrases Mm. of a different language.
1: Oh, totally. Totally. Like being
0: able to say like a beer or yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I remember so this is the only time that i felt so i'm probably you know so basically just everybody listening the title of this podcast is how learning a language can build your resilience and this story i'm, I'm gonna share with you just it's not a significant story but it it, it kind of is one episode where i use spoke a different language or attempted to speak a language which i wasn't familiar with and i had fun with it the rest of the time that i've tried to learn a language when i was at school or even with people and try bar in the italian scenario where i've I've always found it really embarrassing and quite self-conscious but years ago i went to thailand with just to meet some friends who were traveling And I forget where we were. It might have been Koh Samui or or Yang. I can't remember exactly where I was because i was moving around. But I kind of embraced the idea of communicating to the locals because in order to buy things, lots of markets there.
0: Yeah.
1: So to buy things, you kind of barter.
0: Right, yeah.
1: So there's lots of fun bartering. So you learn you you learn different phrases and you go with those different phrases and they come back with you, they they come back at you and the the more you kind of do it, the the greater confidence I got in in my case. And then sometimes you would be when you (laughs) when you would I guess getting that confidence, sometimes they would add more to the conversation extend the conversation which was way beyond my ability and they were like you speak tight and I was like no no I don't <laughs> but uh but but that was maybe the only time in my language in my non-English language relationship where I've just had fun with it mm. and and I enjoyed the engagement but if I go to another country and, and try to do it since I've just always felt self-conscious
0: mm. Can I ask what what do you think what it was about that time in Thailand that made you feel less self-conscious?
1: You know what well, I think it was because I was on holiday and because the Thai people were so nice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that I don't I don't I think this is probably about more about me than anybody else. I just felt that there was no judgment. I wasn't being judged. I wasn't particularly judging myself and I and I think I approach the idea of having fun with it, as opposed to as opposed to putting something on the line like my feelings or embarrassment. That would be hmm. the, the difference that I can think of as I'm talking as I'm trying to explain that to you.
0: It sounds like maybe that. Um, uh... whatever kind of mindset you were in or whatever mood you were in that Mm. kind of holiday mode um where you weren't worried about judgments you weren't Mm. worried about embarrassing yourself maybe um that I think that is the perfect mindset to be in when you start learning a language Mm. right because it means that you're not overloading your working memory okay um so i i studied psychology um and I think anyone who studied kind of like very basic psychology will know that our working memory is extremely limited right we only have something between um uh four and i think it's between four and nine different chunks that you're able to hold in your memory or in your kind of in your mind's eye almost at one point in time okay. depending on how much you've practiced mm. you can get up to probably nine but so if you're if you one of those chunks is worrying about making mistakes mm. the other chunk is um thinking about what the other person's thinking of you yeah. <laughs> or like what they're whether yeah. they're judging you or not then you're already taking up a lot of like mind space mm. essentially with all of these kind of unnecessary things yeah that aren't helping you And then you're trying to figure out, oh, but the grammar and the words and the, uh, you know, which you're already doing anyway. So the more you can relax and kind of reduce that mental load, the easier and the more confident you'll feel as well, because you'll just be having fun with it.
1: Yeah. So that description you just described is me. Too many chunks trying to do. Too many chunks. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Definitely trying to think about embarrassment, trying to get the pronunciation on point all those things and it and and it makes me anxious yeah there's there's something that you said which i love which i i I think i might have found this on your on your website or some of your literature um your mission is to make language as normal as breathing
2: i love Mm
1: that yeah i love that statement because you know i i hope when i was at school most of my peers i think we I think we had the option of studying one a language, either French or German. And then when we got to our options, we were allowed. We you got the opportunity to drop them. So when you got to about fourteen, then you had to knuckle down to do all our exams. It was considered an option that you could take on, or you could choose a different option. And Mm -hmm. most of my peers uh, dropped languages. And most of us, when we meet up sporadically wish that we hadn't dropped the language. Hmm. So, so I love the idea of just making the idea of having an additional language just, a, you know, par for the course.
0: Thank you. I mean, uh, I, I I love that that resonates with you. And um, um, I, I really mean it because I think that the more, you can find ways of, and I, I, I don't think this just means for a foreign language, but also for your, your first language, like the more you can kind of embrace this state or this acceptance of constant learning and constantly developing your communication skills, which at the end of the day, that's all language is, right? It's about communicating um, and understanding other people and communicating with other people, Right. Um and the more you can kind of embrace, first of all, that language is fluid anyway. Mm. You're not going to learn anything perfectly because tomorrow there'll be a new word in the in yeah. the dictionary, or you know, mm. um, it keeps changing. So there's no, um, and of course, your podcast is called My Perfect Failure. Um, but there really is no perfect uh language speaker. Like you mm. can never master a language to perfection. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is so we we like that idea of perfection, mm. don't we?
1: Yeah, perfection. Yeah, perfection <laughs> gets us into so much trouble.
0: Yeah, it does. It does. And it, it's it, it's so it's like I don't know, like you're trying to make a perfect circle, mm. but there's always going to be um, little like offshoots and blobs mm. here and there, and and that's part of the beauty of of language. It's mm-hmm. always going to be yours. And you're not perfect. Mm. No offence. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> not even you.
1: Not even, not even me. After all these failures. Uh-huh. Um, but I like, that's an interesting analogy though, around, because I think we do, when we approach something, we think about that idea of, I'm not going to be perfect. So why, you know, why even bother? Or it just creates, you know, maybe not, not even bother but it just creates creates the anxiety already because we've created this real sort of summit of perfection which like you said is not it's kind of like not realistic have fun with it and then embrace it yeah Can, can I ask you around so in terms of you actually teaching you know your clients to learn language why did you start because you were obviously you know i I know from researching you you're working in a startup Mm. and you know so, so what was the what was sort of the push that thought you know what i'm actually going to i love languages i want to teach people i want to remove the anxiety that i know the majority of people that you know don't speak more than one language have what was the push that you what why you decided to do that
0: um so I would say in a way uh two two different things sort of probably pushed me in that direction. one was that and this might sound a little bit kind of woo-woo but it it I think it had always felt like a bit of a calling to me, like working with languages. I always knew I wanted to work with languages mm. and when I was 18, I tried, um, I, 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 that was my first time trying to be an English teacher and I really hated it. I didn't like mm. the, the way that I, uh, was, I was sort of volunteering in a school and being like a teaching assistant for, uh, kids between the ages of, uh, something like six and 12. And I felt like i was also 18 right but mm. i i didn't i didn't like it and i kind of dismissed language teaching back then because in a way i think i just limited myself by the idea that that was what language teaching was and it didn't occur to me until much later that language teaching can be so many mm. different things and it can be it can work in so many different mm. ways um so that was one one thing was i always just wanted to work with languages the other thing, which I guess was more of the the trigger, the thing that actually pushed me into re exploring language, um, like working with languages and and language teaching, um, and eventually language coaching, was um, a little bit of burnout, to be honest. So okay. this was beginning of twenty nineteen, and um, yeah, I mean, working in a startup can be really uh, intense mm. and overwhelming, and um it, you know for anyone who's who's worked in a, a team of like 20 people sort of trying to take on the world and mm. trying to um i was uh, i mean for a short period of time i was sort of interim head of marketing with very yeah and with you know very little experience professional yeah. experience by that point so it was like a lot of learning on the job yeah. a lot of challenges mm. um and for a period it was a lot of fun as well um but yeah by and I think I have a little bit of this like seasonal affective disorder Mm. like Mm. you know I'm not diagnosing myself but I just know that in January February I'm like a little bit more down yeah um so it got to kind of yeah end of January of 2019 and I was just like I need I need a break Mm. I took a month off work um and I just kind of explored so I took a very quick um course in uh teaching English as a foreign language over a weekend and I really loved it (laughs) so that's where that kind of shift um happened where I yeah kind of came
1: okay amazing and then you saw it as an idea it's it so it was a seed planted I guess the seed was planted years and years ago but mm-hmm. I guess another seed was planted and you thought there's something going on here
0: um do you mean with language coaching or do you mean with um
1: what I, I guess I mean as a career move as making this your career and yes. teaching Pete as you know there was the, you know there's obviously a need you've got the skill set you love languages it's mm. kind of like a calling
0: yeah I mean it it definitely was planted you know before I was a conscious human being probably
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> um and it definitely also you know I I, I guess you could say I kind of watered the seed a little mm-hmm. bit when I studied um, for my bachelor's degree in psychology and linguistics I got to kind of learn a lot about um linguistics and language uh, languages around the world and how different um uh, this is sounds it's gonna sound very boring to anyone who isn't a grammar nerd but I got to learn about different kinds of grammar and wow. different language patterns around the world um and And also things like sociolinguistics, where you know you're looking at how language informs our identity and how we express our identity through language, or identities, I should say, because we have many identities mm. um, and And yeah, and and I think just you know, after university, um, like I said, I did, at the time I didn't think I wanted to be a language teacher because mm. I'd sort of tried it um so so that was where I needed a few more years to uh explore yeah just do different things and enjoy working in a startup for a while which was definitely extremely interesting and uh I won't say I'll never go back to a startup type of job but uh for now I'm really happy here
1: so yeah they they say you know we, we you know we should never we, ne- we never say never but mm. i think you've made the right decision because i know so many people hang up about languages so mm. i think what you do is you know wonderfully valuable you know particularly listen to your podcast which you know we can talk about in a second but also obviously from the one-to-one stuff that you do so can i just ask a question around so you focus on language and your language and learning coach and yeah. you're a neuro neuro learning coach as well as, yes, as, but, are they one and the same thing or is it you combining these two elements as part of your coaching for your clients
0: okay so um neuro language coaching is my training so okay. that's the qualification and it's a a certified and accredited Mm. qualification that I took in 2019 and so this in a way that's the foundation of um how I started my my language uh teaching career I I I was kind of teaching online for about six months and then I took my neuro language coaching certification um and it combines Coaching, so kind of principles from life coaching, like goal setting and mm. um uh, kind of asking questions and, and empowering the other person, the coachee, um, to find their own, to solve their own problems in a way, helping them to find their own confidence. And it also combines, uh, it, so it combines that with um, language learning and with um, a little bit of knowledge around how we currently understand modern neuroscience. So how we understand how the brain works Mm. and how the brain learns new stuff. So we know that as adult learners, one really important part of learning is connecting anything new that you're taking in. You have to connect it with something you already know. Okay. So if I was going to teach you Norwegian, for example, I would constantly be checking with you and asking you, Okay so we've learned this word hei in norwegian which means mm. hello
2: mm.
0: how does it compare to english and checking with you that you're building you're you're not just coming with like a blank slate like mm. um like a sort of baby with it, okay. that's not how the brain works yeah. the adult brain works
1: mm.
0: so is building that, on it yeah is it, is it
1: kind of building associations so you can it kind of makes sense to you you're like you're able to associate a word with something
0: yeah so building associations uh definitely also just um kind of engaging different parts of your brain like while you're learning something new because if you're just going like I say hi and then you repeat after me and then that thing is going to be almost like in a in a, its own little box in your brain mm. um instead we want to integrate it so we want to integrate it with emotion we want to integrate it with mm. different associations like you say right so yeah. yeah
1: okay that makes sense and since you've been coaching uh your clients what are you seeing a, a particular type of individual coming are, are people coming because they want to there's a work requirement for opportunity where they can maybe, if they can speak Spanish, if they might be able to get to take on a Spanish account where they travel, or is it pure curiosity? Is it people trying to do it because they they want to do some exams on it? Are you seeing a trend there, or is it a blend of everything?
0: Um, it's definitely there are definitely trends. I mean, um, my uh, main my main kind of uh, like body of learners that come out uh, come reach out to me are people who are looking to learn for work. Okay. So yeah they they need uh, for example English um, mm. I teach English and Norwegian and so you know a lot of people need English for work. Um, they might already be using English at work, mm. but it's not their first language and so they want to build a few specific, skills, they want to practice a few specific skills like doing presentations, yeah. doing small talk is actually yeah. something that can be really um awkward. Mm. Um I think anyone actually even just native speakers can find small small talk quite awkward. Yeah. But um especially for non-native speakers, it can be a thing that um yeah, can like we talked about before, right? It can um increase some anxiety, um, which of course makes everything much harder um and then the second uh kind of maybe slightly smaller group of people that um use my services are people who who use it for travel yeah mm. so um who want to be able to yeah go to um go to uh go travel the world and mm. actually English is a language that like you said most places you'll be able to find people who speak English mm. Um, so it can be a great way to to be able to travel. Um, actually, I, I I do I think there is a third group of people. Most of the people that are reaching out to me to learn Norwegian fall into a slightly different category. So either they um, they live in Norway but they're working in English mm. and they need to, well, they want to. Um, mm. They have you know a strong incentive to learn Norwegian even if it's not their working language yeah. and they could get by in English yeah. because Norwegians speak English quite well. Mm. Um, I'm not a representative example, but Norwegians do speak English quite well. But your um, mind,
1: this is brilliant.
0: <laughs> thank you. You um, I
1: speak English. I can't I can English. Have you got a Norwegian accent?
0: No, no I don't think. A, maybe a tiny bit, but it depends on who I'm speaking with.
1: Yeah, I can't, yeah, I was wondering, because I'm not wonderful back anyway, so I was just, I thought I'd ask that, that question.
0: You know, I also, I forgot, I think I forgot to mention that I, I've been, uh, my family moved to the UK when I was 11. Um, okay. I forgot, I can't believe I forgot to say that. I, I just started with the French journey, and then I was like, oh yeah, that's that's enough of an intro. Okay. Um, but yeah, I've been living in the UK for 19 years. Okay. okay. So, okay that, make, that makes sense. that's the cheat
1: okay but but you but you speak Norwegian
0: I yes. do yeah I do yeah
1: okay and you, you, the name of your business and podcast is it a band yes so can you explain the, explain the meaning behind that
0: thanks for asking it's um um a name that kind of was bubbling somewhere in my mind mm-hmm. for a while and then I thought yeah I should do something with that and then I wasn't sure what and then I was like yeah I'm just going to call my my brand abundance. Yeah. Um the the thinking behind it is that um another way of talking about a growth mindset is to call it an abundance mm-hmm. uh, sorry an abundance mindset mm-hmm. and I feel like that is actually so fundamental to learning um, as a, well, I would say as an adult, but also as you're growing up, um, for, really for anyone, if you have this mindset that whatever you're not good at right now, it, you're just not good at it yet. Yeah. Um. So this idea that there is an abundance, both of like, there's an abundance of possibilities and like, you know, futures that you can decide for yourself, but also there's an abundance of different ways of doing Mm. something. If you've tried some, like, for example, me, when I started, when I tried uh, teaching English and I didn't like it, I didn't realize at the time that there was an abundance of different ways that I could be a teacher or that I could uh, impart knowledge or, you know, work with people and help them to learn languages Um, but over time I've learned to realize that there are so many different ways Mm -hmm. I can help people learn languages. So uh, yeah, just realizing that there are so many different possibilities. And
1: That's that's interesting. So when you're working with a client, say like if I was a client and I don't know, say somebody else you met was a client, could you recognize that Paul needs to learn it differently to somebody else just because of our Because say if my sense of anxiety was heightened, Mm. maybe you might have to lean into that fun piece a little bit more just to take the edge off it. And Because we all learn differently, right, do we?
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. I would say on the one hand, something that's actually quite um, sort of fundamental to learning that we often ignore or we, we don't think about is, is that anxiety and Mm. especially when it comes to language learning it's language is so tied to our identity right because Mm. it's how we how we express ourselves it's how Mm. we express our identities it's how we express who we are Mm. um and so it can feel so vulnerable when you're learning another language and you mentioned that right when you were in Mm. the pub in Italy and you couldn't speak to, to these people right so um that anxiety and that kind of like um those social needs um that's something that comes from um uh David Rock um with the Neuroleadership Institute he talks about Mm. these um five different types of social needs that are actually just as important as our physiological needs
2: Mm.
0: they're just as important as our feelings of like physical safety our feelings of not uh, being in pain in physical pain mm.
2: um
0: so in a way that is like that's actually foundational and i would say that applies to everybody but it's about recognizing what social needs are important to you is it um that you need to have a, a high level of certainty about you know where you stand with people mm. or is it that you need to have a high sense of fairness um that the five social needs are are status certainty autonomy uh relatability and fairness um you can look up look up the thing it's uh, the scarf model um but yeah so those those things are foundational even if they might show up a little bit differently in different people um does that answer your question i think yeah
1: yeah. yeah, it does. It does. Um, so I've got another question.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so my my next question is around age. So there might be some people listening to this who might think, "Well, mm. I've missed the boat because I didn't study languages at school, and maybe a language is something that they've always in the back of their mind. It's you know, like it might be in your bucket list. You might say it's in your bucket list." You can, have, you can have it on your bucket list, but you never, ever in a million years think that you will take it on because mm. potentially you might think that you've missed the boat. What would you say to people listening who think, actually, I've left, I left school a number of years ago, languages have passed me by. You know, my brain just doesn't work that way anymore.
0: Um, OK, the first thing I would say to them is you already speak one language. You've already learned the hardest part of learning a language because actually the hardest part of learning a language is um, kind of the, um, I think we call it paralinguistic features. So things like um, understanding, and you, you can hear this, if you listen to a conversation uh, in a different language or you listen to a podcast in a different language, usually you can tell, let's say, who's interviewing whom. Like who asked a question and who's answering? You can, you know, you can recognize um, the sounds and you can try to imitate them. That's something that babies are learning and they work their asses off, you know. (laughs) Babies, (laughs) they're the ones doing the hard work. You've already done all that hard work. You've got the mobility, you know, in your jaw and with your tongue and your uh, lips to create different sounds so actually like when people say oh, i i it's too late for me i'm too old actually you've already learned like the mm. actual the the hardest part you've already got mm. and the second thing is um i think one one thing that does get harder with age i don't want to be like oh it's amazing you can learn any time the one thing that does get harder with age is pronunciation and getting like that perfect native speaker accent. Mm. And that takes just a lot more practice and a lot, it's still possible. And there are, you can look it up. There are lots of um, people out there who have, um, if you look at um, uh, a polyglot, uh, which is somebody who's learned a lot of languages called Benny Lewis, he Learned his first foreign language at the age of twenty-one. Okay, so he wasn't like in his fifties, but he spoke no other languages, and now he speaks some like ten plus Mm. languages with barely any accent. You know, really? Yeah. Um. So there are loads of examples of people, um, who are learning, uh, who started learning languages late, Mm. and who have learned them to a high level of of fluency and and you might even say mastery. Right. Like. Pretty, pretty high level of almost perfection kind
1: Mm. of thing. Yeah, and like for for you, when you learn languages, say if you were going to learn a language you don't speak, I'm taking it you would apply. You know, would you? How would you feel about learning the language that you haven't? I don't know. I I don't know whether you you speak something like Chinese. If you Mm -hmm. were going to learn something like Chinese would you adopt some of the, I guess the principles here just to take the edge off it for you and, and mitigate fear and all the anxious things that you know
0: oh yeah about? definitely so um I have learned uh, little bits of Mandarin Chinese Oh, oh wow. um I, I but I, saying that I've forgotten most of it I I mostly because actually what I realized with with Mandarin Chinese is that I what what works for me, or what I found really fascinating, is the um, the actually there is a little bit of logic to the writing system. Mm. So, like you have this little symbol that means like a person, and then most signs related to something to do with people will have this uh, little person sign in this in the corner of the the symbol. So kind of like figuring out that logic. But so for me, the key is actually just finding what I find interesting and what I can kind of play with yeah. in another language. Um, in French, um, when I was, well, I, uh, I mean, I started early with exposure to French, but when I was really trying to practice and, and learn it properly, I really got into like Belgian mm. hip hop.
2: Really? <laughs> so really? Yeah.
0: Um, and I, I mean I love I think rap and hip-hop is such a fantastic um because I'm a bit of a language nerd I think it's just mm. a great artistic expression and uh, such a creative use of of words and rhyme and all of that kind of stuff so that's what fascinates me but just finding stuff that you that resonates with you if you like to dance find some great you know dancing mm. tunes in Korean you know mm. if you um, if you like poetry, find some great like mm. uh, Portuguese poetry or whatever, mm. right? So try to find something where you like your heart is in it, your mm. heart emotionally, um, and maybe even something from your past, like from your childhood, that you can bring in. So you're you're falling in love with the language as you're learning it before you learn it even. Yeah,
1: I, I listen to, I listened to one of your episodes. On your podcast which i thoroughly recommend to everybody listening by the way really enjoyed it with i think it was with kamara Marie.
2: oh yeah yeah
1: and and i think i'm sure she talks about you know that that relationship of dance and like it's salsa yeah relationship, that relationship with language and dance and how she uses that which i found really i'll probably have to listen to it again because, <laughs> You know, sometimes, you, it's, it, which I, I love about podcasts, because it's like watching a film. If there's a film you enjoy, when you watch it a second, third and fourth time, there's always different bits that are equally wonderful that you hadn't picked up on a previous occasions. And the same, same for me, when I like True. a podcast, I will listen to it not just once, I'll listen to it a couple of times. But that yeah. was really interesting
0: yeah um i i love i love her work she's created a whole um you know business around learning spanish through dance mm. so yeah i think that's fantastic
1: yeah absolutely and i really enjoyed that and have you heard so actually i wanted to ask about so when you are working with clients mm. do you focus on speech and grammar because i would have fear around both <laughs> 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 I was going to say one, but I I, I realise it's both.
0: <laughs> well, um, well, actually, I think this takes us back to the uh, previous question that I might not have answered properly, which was, you know, do you do you how different are different clients and and the mm. needs of different clients? And really, the answer is that different people have different needs, mm. and the thing about coaching. Compared to teaching, is that it's very client-led. It's Mm. led by the learner and by what they would like to work on. So if they say, "I'm," you know, "please help me with my pronunciation," because when I try to say, um, uh, like, when I try to say like the the w sound in English, uh, I struggle and it comes out as a 'v' sound, Mm. right? So then we can work on that and, and we'll, you know, we'll do lots of like silly exercises where we practice the different sounds and we figure out where the tongue is in the mouth and the uh, stuff like that. Um, and yeah, same with grammar. So if somebody really wants to focus on like, oh, how do I, how do I you know, conjugate uh, things in the present tense or how do I talk about the future? Um, then we'll do that. Okay. And if not, it might come up if we are you know, if you're, you know, presenting, uh, mm-hmm. you're practicing presenting with me and then you maybe, maybe something comes up where you say like, oh, I go to uh, work. Mm-hmm. And then I go, oh, can I just check with you on that one? Because um, when we conjugate go, we say went in the past. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's, that sometimes it comes up organically and sometimes it's like a, on our agenda you yeah. know it's it's something that we focus on from the beginning
1: okay okay getting towards the end I but a sort of couple of questions so well, I remember when I was a kid growing up and I talked about languages with my uncle
2: hmm.
1: he talked about everybody should learn Esperanto which I believe <laughs> was a, a language that they wanted I, I, I don't think it ever took off I don't know if anybody ever speaks it but it was because it meant to be like an international language that everybody spoke
0: yes and it i don't know how many uh, there's some few tens of thousands of people who speak esperanto actually really? today um if you uh, i've been to uh, a couple of um you know polyglot conferences mm. and and multilingual conferences and things like that where uh, esperanto is uh, something uh, people people learn i think really? it's something yeah um i I I don't think I'm the right person to ask about this. I know a lot of people feel still feel very passionately about Esperanto, and because it's a constructed language, mm. it was also created to be quite logical and easy to learn. Mm. So um, it can be. What I hear is that it can be a great language to learn that will make other learning other languages more easy. Okay, that's later. That's interesting. Um, I would say, though, my advice to anyone considering learning a language is try to learn a language that where you you, there's something that speaks to your heart, Mm. like something, whether it's to do with the music or the food, or Mm. you really want to travel there and you want to, or the people are really lovely, Mm. like Thai for you, right? Mm. You found it easier to, to learn Thai, maybe partly because of the people.
1: Yeah, it so, was enjoyable. The food, the yeah, you're you're constantly engaging with people because you're you navigating down the streets and and just just the 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 geography or the architecture of the places. It was just you know you are like that. So it's and 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 the people they're inviting.
2: Mm.
1: They so there was I think there was curiosity for me, curiosity for them, and yeah. it was just. Um, yeah and also i don't, I think there was no i think sometimes when you and I think this is probably more about me than people that that I've connected to, but sometimes you think that when you're trying to talk to somebody in their language that they're judging you but and probably they're not you're judging mm-hmm. yourself probably, but in Thailand, I just didn't sense that, but it might have been that you know I might have had a beer in my hands or something while I'm talking to them, so <laughs> that that potentially. Um, negates that feeling but yeah there it, it was a, definitely a different experience for me.
0: You know actually um, you're saying that reminds me of something which I think can be can be really helpful when you're learning a language is um, you know go somewhere or, or if you if you have the option of choosing a language to you know you, you're not just being forced to learn one language or the other But if you have the option to choose what language, Mm. um, actually choosing a language that isn't French or Spanish or Italian might help because um, the speakers, like, for example, in Thailand, they don't expect you to speak any Thai. Mm. They don't expect, because they're not used to Mm. people coming and speaking Thai. They're used to people just speaking in English when they're tourists. Mm. So. Um, for example, I went to, this is, you know, really quite untraditional, but I went to Canada to learn French, even though I live in the UK, yeah. because I, it wasn't the only reason, but I realized what a lovely kind of, uh, consequence of me going to Canada was, was that nobody was expecting me because I already spoke English. Nobody was expecting me to speak French, mm. but because I did, and I just made a little bit of effort everybody was really encouraging. Whereas if you try to speak French in Paris or many places in France now, people will switch to English. They'll, you know, they will kind of maybe look down their noses at you a little bit. Mm. Um, Which I don't know if maybe you had the same experience in Italy.
1: You know, in Italy, to be fair, I don't think they turn their nose down Matter, but it was different from from Thailand. It was it was markedly different from Thailand. From Thailand, mm. it was fun. It was just all you know. It there was patience, there was engagement. It was it was just a different dynamic that just made it fun, and it didn't put you off. So any faux pas in terms of pronunciation or or confusion. Around what I was trying to explain, it kind of didn't matter because mm. of of that encouragement that they gave me.
0: Mm, yeah, I'm going to give actually one one uh, little um, shameless uh, selling point for learning Norwegian mm. as an English speaker is it's actually first of all, it's actually quite a similar language to English, so it's much, much more similar than French, um, and I think there's just less of a knowledge or understanding mm. of of the Scandinavian languages as being quite similar, actually.
2: Yeah.
0: And um, and it's because it's a smaller language. Um, if you did go to Norway, people yeah. will be so grateful and so excited if you say even a few words in Norwegian. So um, you know, learning a language with not that many speakers can have some great benefits
1: yeah I haven't considered that mm-hmm. something to consider and just to get to the essence of I guess this episode is around how learning the language can build our resilience how, how can we take lessons from language and resilience in your opinion
0: I think in a way um because resilience obviously is something that you that can be helpful in so mm. many different situations mm. um but i think that resilience from a as as you if you learn it from learning languages it can be a really um uh almost like kind of a controlled way of learning resilience because um it's not necessarily in um professional setting where you you know Uh, making a mistake might be at the expense of, um, well, worst case scenario, the expense of your job, but, you know, at the expense of uh, the success of of a project or something, it can be in a much more controlled and kind of safer environment. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we touched on this a little bit, but um, language learning, when it's, I think when it's done most successfully is when, you have an environment and uh, you know one person or a group of people who accept you and make mm. you feel safe so mm. that you can make mistakes mm. and that that mistake doesn't become like your downfall <laughs> where you just go like oh no i mm. i never going to do that again because it was so embarrassing and awful and painful um and secondly i think um something nice about language learning and i definitely think there are a few other areas where you where this applies as well is that you can kind of define what failure looks like yourself and you can define Mm -hmm. what success looks like um and again this kind of comes back to like it's a controlled environment so you can choose whether making a grammar mistake is a failure Mm. or you can say actually what's important to me today is that I buy a coffee you know mm. um, and if you manage to buy a coffee that's success
2: mm.
0: even if you made mistakes even if uh, even if you embarrassed yourself right so you can kind of choose um, but I think I guess it's about a kind of awareness of what the problem is um, that helps you to find what you need to focus on and what you then choose to let go of and letting go of that perfectionism mm. yeah. as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, totally makes sense. And Because I guess that when we make a mistake, we've learned something, there's an awareness that that actually, you know, I guess it's the way that we frame it. We, we frame mm. it as actually I know, I, I know that my pronunciation wasn't great there, and that's an opportunity. The next time I can tweak that. It's like when I asked how to pronounce your name.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. At the start of this. I prefer, so basically, I'm, my pronunciations are generally quite poor. So at the start of every episode, if it's not, not Paul Padmore or something really simple, I'm like, how do I pronounce your name? Mm-hmm. Just so, and I, and I don't always get it right, but then, you know, it improves over time. Um, so I actually. So
0: yeah so you 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 said one thing which which um was that when you make a mistake you learn you can learn from it I think actually sometimes and and this can be a frustrating thing with mm. language learning is that sometimes you can make the same mistake even when you know it's wrong mm, really yeah and and i have you know learners come to me and say that they they know how to use the english language for example but um, yeah when they get nervous when they get stressed, all of that language knowledge kind of falls by the wayside and that's when that's when actually working on yeah it's it's more about working on reducing anxiety, taking a breath and relaxing yeah. and and stuff like that but you know ideally I think we'd like to think that um y- you make a mistake you learn from it and then you won't make mm-hmm. the same mistake again but Actually, I think some of that like resilience learning is about actually also accepting you can make the same mistake again. But if you keep making the same mistake, consider whether the problem is the mistake itself or something else.
1: Okay. And what might the mistake, the something else be? Might that be anxiety?
0: Often, yes. Okay. Often it's either, either, Either anxiety or, or stress related, mm. um, I yeah, or maybe it's something else. But usually, I think anxiety and stress. Yeah.
1: Okay. And is that and if it is anxiety or stress, is that where you might adopt breathing, sort of taking a moment to maybe to breathe, or what? What could you do to mitigate that, or if anything?
0: Um. Yes. Um. Usually, taking a breath uh I, I think you taking a breath always mm. helps because it helps you to well bring oxygen mm. to your to mm. your brain for one thing and just that's what breathing you know helps us do right but also it helps us to um and you know ideally you want to be in a situation where you can ask for that moment mm. and just say oh i know how to respond you know if somebody's asking you a question and you you're not sure how to answer you you know just being able to say, oh, um, oh, uh, that's a great question. Um, I just need a moment uh, mm-hmm. to, you know, gather my thoughts and think about how to say this. Um, so, yeah, giving yourself a bit of permission to say that I, you know, you have, and going back to this, you have all of these mm-hmm. language skills. It's just about um, acknowledging that you can both be really good at language and need a moment like and be flawed at the same time and make mistakes at the same time
1: okay amazing amazing so for people listening or where so people listening that are keen to learn more about you your podcast maybe there's somebody that is thinking I need to speak to Hedwig around a language they're keen to learn English or Norwegian or something else what's the best way for them to connect with you
0: yeah so um the best way is actually just to um you can go to my website which is abundate.org that's a-b-u-n-d-a-t-e dot org um or you can find me on twitter linkedin um uh Instagram um I'm Hedvig Sandbu uh the only Hedvig Sandbu in the world I think really so, really as long as you spell my name right it's it's fine um
1: amazing unique I know you and ne- you, you were unique
0: <laughs> and uh and of course like if you're just curious about mm-hmm. what I do you can also just check out my um, podcast which is the Abundate uh it's actually sorry it's not the Abundate podcast it's called Abundate mm-hmm. learning a language is not what you think mm-hmm.
1: The podcast is brilliant and I haven't subscribed, but I will subscribe after this. I just had that time to subscribe, but I will subscribe because it, it it's its just wonderful content. And a, a language is a little bit of a, one of those fear factors for me. So um, I'm keen to listen to more of your wonderful podcast. But there's a reoccurring question that I have on My Perfect Failure, which is if you could invite three inspirational people for dinner so they can be alive or they might be people that are not with us any longer who might you invite
0: yeah okay so um um, i i kind of hate this question but i know it's i know it's (laughs) (laughs) i know it's one of those questions that it's supposed to say something about me or i don't know um make me sound really learned and wise or something but i um i i hope it's okay i went for a slightly unconventional no
1: per- whatever you <laughs> whatever you select is perfect there's, there's, amazing there's, 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 okay. there's literally no wrong answer
0: so this is this is the first time i'm like publicly i think yeah ever publicly answering perfect. this question perfect so um, this is going to show how how weird my brain is so um my my first uh person and this is not a person that any of us have heard of probably mm. but it would be somebody like um like an elder or a spiritual leader from ancient like Ethiopia mm. like back when people were like hunter gatherers and mm. Um, living really simple lives Mm. and there were just the reason that I I picked like I I don't know if it would be Ethiopia exactly but somewhere around this like ancient these ancient civilizations that we humans lived as very simple like hunter-gatherers for millions of years Mm. and we've kind of forgotten all of that or we don't know anything Mm. about that society or those societies um, other than what we have, like found in like bones and mm. uh, vases, I think so, tools and stuff like that. So that would be one person I would I would want, like some kind of elder or like leader um, from the, from a society like that. Um, so still with me? Yeah,
1: yeah. No, so, um, <laughs> okay. I, I, I love the answer.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so the second person um, is probably even weirder um I would want to if I could be able to talk to an octopus and to understand what it's like to be an octopus (laughs) because I actually I'm a little bit obsessed with octopuses and I also have this theory that because we we what we know about octopuses is they have like nerves all over their arms Mm. and stuff and we think they have like eight or nine Mm -hmm. different consciousnesses because there are so many nerve endings uh, like their arms are independent of their bodies Mm -hmm. and stuff I have a theory that being an octopus feels a lot like being a human and we actually have a lot of nerve endings like in our stomach in our heart like around our heart and stuff and if an alien or if an octopus was to look at us they would be like oh they have like three different consciousnesses um so anyway, that's my, my theory. I just want to, I would want to check that theory with an that, octopus. That, that's
1: an interesting one. I wasn't expecting that one, but, <laughs> I, but, I lo- but, but I love your explanation.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah, this is, um, I, I literally have like read whole books just about octopuses. So um, the, only,
1: the only thing I'm thinking, what would you serve the octopus? What would that be? They, they would have uh, maybe something different to the rest we of
0: We could you. all have like prawns maybe maybe okay i don't okay. know i think do they eat prawns i i would have to check
1: i think they their would. Diet. I, I, I don't know actually but I, I like it prawns it sounds it sounds like something they would eat
0: yeah i i, I don't know or, or plankton i don't know i think they eat prawn i don't know we,
1: we, we can I'll do check. some if, if there's anybody knows what <laughs> octopuses eat maybe they can write in and let us know to, to yes
0: us. let me know To one of us reach out to me if you're an octopus nerd like me yeah. <laughs> The third person is like a lot. uh, Well, it's an actual person, uh, like a human, a known person. Um, It's my great grandmother. Amazing. Um, She was born uh, almost exactly 100 years before me in 1892. And she was um, kind of a Norwegian suffragette. So she was. Oh, wow. Yeah. She was like a, a politician. Her name was Ducky Sad. And she was, um, she got divorced after, which is, you know, back in that time, people, nobody got divorced. Um, she had four kids and then she got divorced because she didn't want to have any more kids. And mm. the only way to, you know, the only contraception that was allowed for a married woman was to get divorced, apparently. Really? Um, so uh, at least that's how the story goes in my family, is that she she had two children Uh, went to the pharmacist and asked for contraceptives and then because she was married the pharmacist uh, slapped her across the face really and said you can't as a married woman you can't Mm. go asking for this Mm. sent her back home without anything
2: Mm.
0: she had two more kids and then she got divorced um and yeah she she i think yeah she was a a big part of the like Mm. norwegian suffragette movement okay um and a like i can't remember the name of this like the feminist political party for women's rights and yeah
1: that that would be so you know what i would like to meet her as well (laughs)
0: the
1: the, the octopus has thrown me but um not in a bad way because (laughs) because it's just around what we would serve the octopus that's the main thing
2: yeah yeah
1: because you want everybody to have the same cuisine so we, we i think we need somebody to contact one of us to, to if they're an aficionado of, we, of octopus yeah then 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 we'll have a good steer on that but yeah. um hedrick i you know what I think I could talk to you all day it's and i've learned so much and i love what you're doing i think it's really really important what you're doing i can't emphasize that enough when I was researching what you do because i i know there's so i i have conversations periodically with people who you know have a you know have that wish factor i wish i spoke another language i wish i could speak this mm-hmm. language and there is a genuine fear about that so i love the way that you're the fact that you're removing that making language normal like i love your quote around making it as normal as and i think that's that's the way that i you know that's the way that i would I love it, to see the language so thank you so much for being a guest today my perfect failure
0: thanks paul i've had so so much fun
1: okay thank you and hopefully we can do something again we can maybe have some a follow-up on on the octopus and some of the people that you're taking from i guess from a blank canvas and you're giving them the rank of skills to equip themselves and move forward
0: yeah i'd love that
1: okay fabulous and thank you, everybody for tuning in to this episode of my perfect failure you can find me at www.myperfectfailure.com and please look out for the next episode of my perfect failure take care for now Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to My Perfect Failure podcast. Be sure to visit www.myperfectfailure.com to join the conversation. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Look out for our next episode.